0: discipleship for the BFC family. Our reading from the Bible today comes from Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 29, and this is what God's Word says. But if you call yourself a Jew, and rely on the law, and boast in God, and know His will, and approve what is excellent, because you're instructed from the law, and if you're sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? This is God's Word. I want to talk to you today about those who are religious but lost. You know, last week we looked at Scripture in Romans chapter 1 in which the Apostle Paul described the condition of men who reject the truth about God. Paul showed that their rejection of God led God in turn to turn them over to the lusts of their hearts and the lies of their minds. The result of this rejection was painfully described in the closing verses of chapter, where Paul wrote, "...they are filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents." foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. In these words, so heartbreaking to read, we have a description of lost humanity. Here's a portrait of man without God. Without God because God has been pushed away. The truth about him has been suppressed so that the minds of such men are given over to lies about reality. It's not a pretty sight, as I'm sure you'll agree. But the verses that I've read to you today that we have before us for our study here, these are even more heart-rending. Because in these verses, Paul tells us about a second kind of man. These people too are in trouble because of sin but they're unaware of the terrible danger that they're in. Now, who are these deceived ones? Well, they are those who are religious but lost. What are the characteristics of such people? Well, the passage tells us two things about them. Unlike that first class of men that was described in chapter 1, these people do not reject what God has told them about himself. In fact, they claim to believe everything that God has said. And the second thing we're told about them is that they are exceedingly religious. They're into the signs and symbols and forms of believing religion. They present themselves as those who believe. Let's go a little deeper into what we're told about these things. In verses 17 through 24, we're told that these men do not deny that God has spoken. They accept God's word, and sometimes they accept God's word very loudly so. They boast about their knowledge of God, present themselves as teachers. They present themselves as guides to the spiritually blind and a light to those who are in darkness. Mark Twain's quip comes to mind concerning these men. Twain said that when some men discharge an obligation, you can hear the report for miles. When these men talk about their faith, they're eager for everyone to know that they are masters of the truth about God but there's a problem. They talk about it, but they don't live it. They're merely religious, but they're not saved. They don't reject the truth about God, but that doesn't mean they're believers. They're religious, but lost. The second thing we're told about these men is that they're eager to practice religion. Paul uses the lens of circumcision from the Old Testament Israel to illustrate this. Circumcision was the practice that identified a Jewish man as being part of God's covenant community. It was an outward sign of identification with God and his people. But again, Paul pointed out that circumcision by itself meant nothing. A man must live in such a way as to confirm the meaning of circumcision if his profession of faith was to be taken at face value. These are the people who make at least a weekly nod toward God haunting the sanctuaries of churches for an hour on Sunday, and then going about their lives without another concern for God for the rest of the week. They practice religion outwardly and sometimes practice it fanatically. But it's all a show. They have no substance inwardly. They're religious, but lost. Genuine conversion doesn't come from holding a correct understanding of doctrine nor does it result from practicing forms of worship mechanically. As we read on in Romans, we're going to see that genuine conversion, the faith that saves, isn't a matter of the head or the body. It's a matter of the heart. The only faith that saves is the faith that lays hold of grace, and that faith always results in a transformation of the individual's heart. The secret of salvation is not for someone to accept the right teachings. Millions have an orthodox head, but a spiritually dead heart, and they are lost. Nor does the road to heaven pass through religious practices. Untold numbers trudge to church as a matter of form every week, unaware that the route they're taking is leading them to disaster on the day when every man will give an account of himself to God. No. Salvation is about the heart. Unless a man or a woman receives a spiritual heart transplant, there is no hope. But how can you get that transplant? How does one receive a new heart? Well, that's what the next two chapters in Romans are about, and we'll begin to study the answer to that question when we get to Romans 3 next week. In the meantime, remember this. Salvation doesn't come from saying the right words or practicing the right rituals. It only comes when God gives you a whole new heart. And if you can't wait until next week to find out how that works, ask God to show you today. You know, he's just a whispered prayer away. Lord, hear our prayer for Jesus' sake, amen. Thanks for joining us again today. Remember, salvation is a matter of the heart.